wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello, and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and normally during an international break, our show goes full Canadian men's national team. We will be talking about the Canadian men's national team today, but um, MLS decided to play during an international uh, FIFA mandated break, which I think is dumb. But hey, we got a full slate of games to talk about, including Toronto FC uh, drawing against San Jose. So we'll talk a bit about that. Well, as I mentioned before, we will be talking about the Canadian men's national team. They won in Curacao uh, on a plastic pitch that looked like it was from like 2005. Um, <laughs> and uh, they were going to be previewing their upcoming uh, home match against Honduras. And uh, of course, we will get to your answers to this week's burning questions. Uh, lots to dig into. Uh, bringing in my co-hosts, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. Gents, how was your weekend? Uh, how did you enjoy watching a nil-nil draw in San Jose? <laughs> it was a long <laughs> night, man, because you had the Canada game right before that. Um, and it wasn't, to be fair, with both games combined, it wasn't the best evening <laughs> of soccer <laughs> to watch. Um, the one positive, I guess I'll say, is I'm glad that it, the game wasn't at BMO Field. And we yeah. didn't have to spend yeah. a third straight weekend out in the cold. And hopefully this weekend is is a little bit warmer. It's not looking that way. It's looking, yeah, know, it's looking like the temperature is going to drop almost exactly at 7.30 p.m. Like it's going to be super sunny and then suddenly it's just going to whoosh, just, just in time for kickoff. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's never a TFC match day without um, some hairy weather involved. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to, before we get into the show, I wanted to bring back Food Corner because I really mm. enjoyed that. Uh, and uh, this weekend, I now I normally we're talking about restaurants that we go out to and food that we really enjoy but i'm going to toot my own horn a little bit i made in a great cottage pie this week oh wow I, I like went and i made like a really really good one like i like i i've been working and tinkering on a recipe and i think i finally nailed it and it is like i come made on over them <laughs> and they were fantastic and i just wanted to get a sense of like what is sort of that comfort meal that you guys always turn to mine is a cottage pie like i love making great mm, cottage and that's pie. My, yeah and what what's your favorite or what's your sort of go-to comfort can you, meal to make it home not not that i'm having a problem with it because i'm a super genius but can you explain for the other people the difference between say a shepherd's pie and a cottage pie oh it's very very simple so a shepherd's pie is just lamb right it's ground lamb right so you shepherds they look after the flock of lamb that is mm -hmm. a shepherd's pie a cottage pie is basically any other ground meat usually ground beef uh, mm. So in that case, that's why I call it a cottage pie because it is ground beef. I use not ground lamb. Can you uh -huh. explain to Bernardeski what the difference between a cheesecake and a pie is? <laughs> that might take longer. I don't know if we've got the time on mm. this show to go through it. <laughs> that's impressive. That's impressive. Like circling back to cottage pie from start to finish. How long does it take you? And do you make your own pie crust from scratch? I do. Um, wow. And, and in terms of like start to finish. So I make the filling like the meat and the veg and all that uh, first. And then I put mm -hmm. it in the fridge to cool. 
Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you, you get the potatoes, you, you skin them, you, you boil them, you mash them, uh, and then you bring out the cool down filling. You, you slather the mashed potatoes onto top. Uh, you get your cheese, a little bit of butter, uh, dill. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, 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 cheese. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. You get a little, you get a little, uh, dill kids. This is how you get fat quick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you throw it in the oven for about like mm. three five minutes and you get that golden top that's just great love it love it love it anyway mike mikey saying what's your comfort food what do you go to it's going to well, be something well, from chicago we know we know this. <laughs> <laughs> well no first i got it mike it sounds like i got it you know hook you up with uh with james sherman over here and get you yeah, you going yeah. on his pie the apprenticeship man. at uh sherman mm-hmm, apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um comfort comfort food it, it's it's terrible and it's not even like me making it but when i want comfort food i'm going chicken fingers all day like it's wow, I'm not even making out. it but i i gotcha. love nowadays you got the air fryers going that's like the mm. new big phenomenon in the world and it's i co-sign with that 100 percent. air fryers are absolutely fantastic and i don't I have no we ever uh... I have no room you in my kitchen for it. We we've had oh, one. Man. We had to, we gave it back to my parents because because uh, yeah yeah there was no room. Uh, I I mean I, I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling the cottage pie. I think I think that's my new comfort food of choice, and I and I desperately want to try one of yours. So next time make three. That's the goal. Oh, well, you know, if uh, potatoes and uh, potatoes and ground beef are not the cheapest things in the grocery store, thanks. Oh, Caleb I'll pitch Lefton. in. I'll, I'll pitch in for some <laughs> yeah. for some for some ingredients. But yeah but, yeah, yeah yeah definitely. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, I was going to say stuff. bagel. I mean, when oh, you're when you're fixing a... when you're fixing for for like a quick quick and easy snack, there's nothing better than a than a toasted bagel with a schmear. So that that would be my comfort food. You get a Absolutely. good bagel, man. You can't you can't miss out when you find a really good bagel spot. No, you um, really can't. You yeah. really can't. So anyway, uh, as we've all now made you <laughs> hungry, uh, let's head <laughs> on to the show and talk a little football. Yep. Uh, let's jump into it, guys. Uh, nil nil draw away to San Jose for your Toronto FC um, in a game that was not the most entertaining um, that you'll ever Mm-mm. see. But of course, what do you expect when you're missing four starters um, out of your lineup? And look, San Jose were missing starters as well due to international call-ups and injuries. So a lot of way, this is sort of the makeshift bowl and a lot of MLS this weekend was makeshift games of players getting first chances, a lot of academy products and the, you know, two squad players who were on the reserve teams getting their first or second shots in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get both your thoughts, just general thoughts on the game before we delve into some of the the talking points here in terms of just how you sort of viewed the 90 minutes. Jeff, I'll, I'll kind of go with you first. Um, I mean, you said it right in the rundown. Uh, it's a great road point. Let's take it. You know, uh, certainly uh, the MLS wrap up show. I think everybody said that San Jose deserved to win it. I don't know if I agree with that, but it put into a bit of a review um, you know, it's a ro- it's a solid road point, and I made I made a very terrible joke about Bernadeschi Bernadeschi, sorry Bernadeschi, mm-hmm. looking like uh, like uh, Agaraceche out there because that lineup really reminded me of that that Houston 2018 game, and if memory serves, we got mollywopped. Yeah, so like uh, yeah, like yeah, we got absolutely destroyed. So the fact that this Julian was a nil nil draw, 
Yeah, yeah. And, and wasn't that Noble Mitch Tainter? Mitch Tainter was debut, his one and, and then he, and then he disappeared for for the rest of time for like another two seasons. That game, that game was a pock on our on our legacy. The but wild one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm comparing that to so so you know, absolutely. I'll take I'll take the point. Um, you know. I don't want to take everybody else's points because I think there's a lot of good things to take away from that game. So I will just say that I am very, very happy with that point. Um, wasn't a good environment to play in. That pitch looked terrible. You know, it was a it was a rough, it was a slapdash team. Take the point. Take the point and 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 come back home. Yeah, I, I thought there were moments in the game where TFC looked really, really good. Yes. Um I thought they were moving the ball really crisply. Um, it looked closer to a TFC team that we thought we might see this year, um, which is ironic because they're missing a lot of players. But that just mm-hmm. goes to show, you know, one of the things that we were questioning was this team's depth. But when you have a guy like Victor Vasquez that you can throw in and he can play 65 minutes, when you have a guy like Brandon Cervania, who we still don't know, you know, is he going to be a starter when Lorenzo Insigne comes back? We don't know, but you have that option to still have in in the middle of your park. And then obviously Jaquiel, when he comes in and he looks like a guy who can at least hang at the position and, and be positive for your team moving forward. And Alonzo mm-hmm. Coelho, I mean, what a what an impressive performance in the middle of the park that he had. It, it tells you that this team's depth is much better than it was a season ago. And I, I did see that throughout the course of the match. Now, I, I got to admit, like, I do agree that TFC might have been more fortunate than less fortunate to come away with mm. with a point in that match. Um, I thought San Jose, overall, they created the better chances in the game. But that being said, it was still a winnable game for TFC. Uh, there's still, if, you know, in certain moments, as Bob Bradley said after the game, if they were sharper if they capitalize on certain moments, if their finishing was a little bit better, then mm-hmm. you could argue that TFC could have come away with three points that game. But, you know, given the fact that they're missing, what, four or five starters that game, you take that points that point 10 times out of 10 on the road in the fifth game of the mm-hmm. season and, and extend, most importantly, their clean sheet run. Yeah, absolutely. Two in a row, unbeaten in four. You know, you, you look at this team and... and I think, you know, to go to one of the talking points here, just in terms of Jaquiel Marshall, Ruddy, and Coelho, just in terms of the way that they stepped into the team and played really, I thought, pretty solidly. Like, Jaquiel Marshall, Ruddy is on the team of the week, but they call it team of the match week, which is just stupid. Match day. Match day. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, they don't do weeks anymore. Yeah. So anyway, but like, you know, I thought both players played well. I thought Coelho um, stepped in quite well. I thought he kept it simple, which is completely fine, which then speaks to the fact that they lacked a little cutting thrust and edge in the final third. But um, overall, like I thought, in the first half, especially, you know, they worked the ball really well. The ball moved really quickly. And I thought mm-hmm. that was, there were moments where there was really great connection between Bernadeschi, Bernadeschi, um, <laughs> uh, between, uh, between himself, DeAndre Kerr, Brandon Cervania, and uh, Victor Vasquez. That said, you know, I agree there were chances to maybe put a goal away in that first half. And then you take your chances and what happens in the second half. And, and look, once sort of Victor Vasquez came out, uh, Coelho looked like his legs were starting to go at the end of the game, which 
granted should be the case. He hasn't, you know, really played 90 minutes yet. Um, and, and you, you have some other players coming on like a Kobe Franklin having to come in on at halftime. You start to see some of that experience lost in the, mm-hmm. in the lineup. But that said, you know, you have Sean Johnson make a big save at the end to keep you in it. And that's what you pay, you know, a Matt Hedges, a Rosted, a Sean Johnson to do, right, is to keep you in those games with their experience at the back. And, and you know, like you said, you take that point, you ride it all the way home. Mm-hmm. You're on six points after five games, which is not a horrible place to be, especially in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh Every everything you said, wonderful. I I I loved that midfield. I mean, for sixty five minutes, and then it fell apart. But I loved I loved that midfield. I really liked uh, Vasquez and Quello together. Um, very very silky. I'd like to see more minutes for those guys. And and I agree. I think uh, JMR looked fantastic out there. He really really did. I that might be. It, it, you know, it's 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 interesting with him because you see him so infrequently that every time it's like a new player, like you see all the new skills that he's learned and, and all of that stuff. So you're not you know, like, it's, it's very, it's almost easy to, to look at his progression because there's so many holes where he disappears. And then when he comes back, it's like, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to see more minutes for JMR. I know I say this every week. <laughs> yeah. Mike, and I feel I like he, you got, you want to say a little bit about Jaquille Marshall ready. I think he looks stronger. And bigger, yes. which you know shouldn't surprise us because he is still mm. 18 years old and he's still growing. But you know, like like Jeff said, it's been a while since we've seen him, and it just goes to to show just how quickly prospects and and especially younger prospects can evolve and change and mm. and really grow. Um, so I thought we act we saw the progress of one player who last season was maybe at time, and I've talked about this, maybe at times not making the most of the task at hand, whether that's training sessions, whether that's in the gym, mm. whether that's, you know, it just all part of what's what I would describe as, as growing up to a guy now who Bob Bradley complimented for just his overall approach uh, this season. And that's so important for, for Jaquiel, right? Because minutes are going to be tough to come by. That's just the way that this roster is, is yeah. created. But if you're still doing all the things off the field, and you're still really engaged and really involved in your attitude and mentality and your approach and all of that is all still very good off the pitch, then you can still grow and develop and, and really fulfill, you know, this, this hype that you've, that we've built up and, and TFC have built up around him. Um, I, I, I think last season, while it was a very difficult season for him, it might've been a blessing in disguise in the mm. sense that I think there is some pressure off of him now Yeah, where he's not getting as much talk. He's not getting as much hype as he was a year ago when he was starting for TFC. So the fact that you have Richie and you, you know that Jaquiel's not going to be playing as much, it maybe it does take a little bit of a weight off his shoulders and maybe that'll, that'll help the kid. Well, he looked a lot more free yesterday, mm. right? He looked like a player who was a lot more confident kind of you looked at his positioning defensively. Yes, there were a couple of times where he was out of position. There were a few misreads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Charles Johnson gave him sort of uh, an earful at one point, but... It's a tough position, man. It like, is. It's not, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, and, and I think that he adjusted really well to those mm-hmm. moments. And, and you could see at times, you know, 
Jaquiel Marshall running of last year, for example, there was sort of like a, a ball in the midfield, uh, close to the midfield line that, you know, Bernadette wasn't quite running as hard to get back at because he was expecting Jaquiel to step towards it. But Jaquiel actually didn't step. Last year, he would have tried to go and step and win a ball and he was never going to win and leave, him, mm. leave himself in the back line exposed. This year, a little bit more uh, patient, a little bit more, you know, just reading a situation and realizing, okay, it's actually best for me to step back, get into position, put my body in the right position to defend this this attack, right? And and those small things are mm-hmm. what are going to give give Jaquil more time on the pitch, right? Like it's good. Bob is going to trust him more in those moments, and I thought that was really encouraging to see. Yeah, it's very very well put. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was, he's definitely shown some maturity and even, you know, there were times for sure where he got caught out defensively and still a lot of work to be done defensively, but you can tell there's, he's improved so much just in that Mm -hmm. regard and his confidence to go into a tackle, his sturdiness in going into a tackle. It felt like, you know, there were times last season that he go into a tackle and he's what, 17 years old. He just got bounced. You yeah, just get, yeah you, you don't always yeah. win the ball where he was seemed mm-hmm. like he was coming away with the ball when he was in the right positions at the right time. Um, I, I know people had, you know, some issue with the way that he was handling some of the, the crosses in the air. When you're as big as Jaquil Marshall Ruddy is, that's always going to be an issue, right? It, mm-hmm. It's it. That's not he's a strong. That's not his and right and yeah, yeah there's yeah. not really much that he can do but I did think there were times where he did compete and you know there yeah there were times where he also did get exposed that just comes with uh, the mm-hmm. fact that he's also it's weird like we still don't really know what exactly his best position is yeah, you know I yeah. talked to him after the game and I asked him what his best position he thought his best position was and he just referred to guys like Tejon Buchanan and Richie and, and Alfonso Davies who have both played wing and fullback but he also talked about you know the fact that he was a winger and did move to to fullback and he still is learning and he still is growing in that regard so yeah you know we're seeing i think all of that play out yeah for sure and another another player um we lost mike for a second we might have lost mike for a second Mm -hmm. but that's okay uh we'll continue jeff another player i wanted to talk about in the game that i thought had a really strong um game and had and has had a bunch of strong games in a row to start the season's Brandon Cervania. Um, you know, he comes in again, he gets the start again uh, this weekend, but more in a more natural midfield role and really, and really connected well, I thought with, uh, with Bernadette, Bernadeschi as well um, down the, we'll get it eventually. Lane. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting um, there. <laughs> I connected really well with Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi mm-hmm. um, connected really well uh, with his other midfielder. I thought he, he did really well with Coelho as well. Um, maybe, Jeff, just talk a little bit about Cervania, your impressions of him so far to start the season and sort of what you've liked and, and what you've seen. I, I love him. I love him. And it's starting to become pretty obvious to me that he's kind of maybe the new Marky slash Marco slash Mark Delgado. And um, now I can call somebody else the TFC's middle flipper since he's been gone. Uh, he He's, he's you know, it's the same thing people were saying about Quello, which is, you know, when you don't notice him, that means he's doing his job. Uh, and I think he has really car i mean everybody every all the fc dallas fans were saying the same thing that he just wasn't getting enough minutes 
at Dallas and he needed a change of pace, but all the players were pumping his tires like crazy. And you can see it. Yeah, you can see it. You can absolutely see it. Now that Mike's back and before I forget though, do we really think that the hype on JMR has disappeared? Because I don't know if you guys are watching the TSN broadcast or the MLS broadcast, but the second that he subbed in, those MLS announcers were like, here's JMR, the $12 million man. People are saying he's going to be the next Alfonso Davies. And I just had to do like five face palms because I was like, oh, no, not this, not this crap again. Well, those um, are the talking points they probably have. Yeah, yeah. Sheet. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think within the market, we can we can all agree that it's not the same kind of buzz around mm-hmm. him as there was a year ago. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that still exists that he still is labeled, um, you know, quote unquote, the next Alfonso Davies. But maybe that's that's a bit unfair. Um, regardless, unfair. He, st- he still he still is one of Canada's brightest prospects. Like, I don't Absolutely. think that's a stretch at all. And then here's my second question to you guys. Do you think it's a detriment for JMR to be learning defensive positioning, even if he ends up being placed higher up the field? I don't think so. I think it makes him a better two-way player. Any way you slice it, you know, this kind of training, right? This this kind of muscle memory in terms of defensive positioning and stuff like that. Is there any way that it's a waste of time or could no, be a detriment? Like, like when I was growing up, like obviously a different level, but one of the things I was taught is it's best to learn how to be a footballer. And mm. that means being able to defend. That means being able to read the game. That means being able to play in the cent- center of the park if you have to. Like, it's it's okay to specialize in a position, but you also have to really zero in and hone in on the basics of the game. And I think mm. the defensive part of it is such an important element of that. And it'll only make you more better and more versatile. Like, he referred it to, to modern-day wingbacks, right? Yeah. John Buchanan, again, a, a guy I'll, I'll keep coming back to in this regard. Um, he's a guy who started off as a winger. And now when he went to Clumbruga, they played him at right back. He's playing wing back. Like He can kind of do it all. And that's kind of what you're seeing in the modern-day fullback. So I don't think that's a detriment at all. Awesome, yeah, I, awesome. Yeah, I agree. And and you saw it on Saturday where, okay, he made a couple of overlapping runs, but really in a lot of ways, he almost inverted at times as a right back and, and so connected and connected mm-hmm. with the midfield really well. And I, and that is a testament to his sort of football brain, um, which is, which is a thing you want him to develop. So I think you can develop that by playing multiple positions and, and sort of understanding not just where you're going to be and what your job is on the field, but what other, players jobs are on the field and that's actually what kind of makes uh, and just to bring it back to Brandon Cervania a little yeah, bit, yeah. Um, that's kind of what makes him really intriguing and really good as a player it feels like he knows where other players are supposed to be therefore he's always yeah. making that forward progressive pass that that puts TFC in good spots it's funny Brandon Cervania and, and Jaquila are actually pretty similar in the regard they're both were really highly touted prospects that mm-hmm. maybe struggled early on in their career. Um, Brandon Cervania, I mean, when I was speaking to Tom Bro, he said, Bogert, he said, everybody knew about this kid before he even turned pro mm. because he was just that good. Yeah. Um, obviously, Cervania also went in on trial, is one of, I think, six Dallas players that went on trial and trained with Bayern Munich for three, uh, three weeks. And then he went and played in the Austrian Bundesliga, which is a pretty big league and he featured in 12 matches from january onward so he has he had the pedigree and you know for whatever reason it never really worked out in dallas uh, but you could still see 
at 23 years, 24, I guess now, because he just mm-hmm. turned 24. Happy birthday. There's still, there's still so much in front of him. Uh, and that, you know, we often look at these guys as I know I saw someone saying it was ridiculous, but I'll mention it. Someone was saying mm-hmm. Jaquil, the clock is taken on Jaquil. Like we have to see kind of what he is. I'm like, He's still 18. Like, He's still Jaquille, 18 years old. <laughs> give give Jaquil six years. He'll be as old as young Brandon Cervania, who's everyone's yeah. drooling over. And mm-hmm. a guy who can still absolutely go go to Europe. Um, but yeah, you know, Brandon Cervania, we've, we've talked about him a lot on this show. He, Jeff, you see Marky Delgado. I, I see, quite honestly, I see a better version of Jonathan Osorio when I look really? at Brandon Cervania. Wow. I see a guy who... Well, yeah, he does his engine is nonstop and he does a lot of a lot of the the tackling and, and isn't afraid to get his foot stuck in is really good at winning back possession for TFC. I also see a guy who has so much upside moving forward. And I see a guy who when in tight areas has has to make decisions really quickly. Like he his ability to think and yeah, mm-hmm. footwork, his first touch is unbelievable. And you know, there are times where he can't take a proper first touch, but he, instead he decides to do a little flick to himself, like little uh, mm-hmm. little on-the-fly interpretations of what to do. Like It is so fun to watch Brandon Cervania play football. Agreed. And the amount of times I watch him during this game, and I keep saying he's a baller, he's a baller. Yeah. He is Agreed. He's impressed uh, tremendously in that trade again with, but Dallas is looking better and better with every passing game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was curious. So I went to see if Jesus Jimenez has even logged a minute uh, kicking a ball in anger, uh, and he has not. So, Well, uh, he definitely has a hard time yeah. displacing Jesus Ferreira. The only way he's not going to – he's going to play is if Jesus Ferreira is with the U.S. national team, really. Or, he's or gets injured or Leagues Cup or any of the other innumerable exactly. things that are getting in the way of so- of actual MLS soccer <laughs> this this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, just a couple of other smaller notes. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Sean Johnson – Again, didn't have a lot to do in this match, but again, mm-hmm. comes up with a big save when you need him to come up with a big save um, and preserves the point. And I thought between himself, and this is more of a note between himself, Matt Hedges, Sigurd mm-hmm. Roasted, I feel like that three along with Michael Bradley ahead of them and once Mark Anthony K comes back, obviously from international duty, I think we're starting to see a really nice spine or at least part of a spine develop in the team we don't have that we don't have that number nine yet that is of course the ongoing sort of piece to tfc that's really missing um at this Mm -hmm. point and you felt it on saturday as well no disrespect to deandre kerr but you're starting to see something really build in that spine and it's making the team defensively a lot better Oh my God. I mean, listen, you, you started talking about the clean sheet and let's bring up Yvonne's comment, which is not sure if you guys touched on this, but I'm overwhelmed with the clean sheets. We barely remembered what they are. Hey, we're two thirds of the way to our our clean sheet total of last year. (laughs) We should honestly be celebrating this a lot more. You know what I mean? Because it it is kind of amazing. Um, And that, you know, when I get upset, watching TFC kind of scrounge around in the attack. I can always make myself happy again these days by watching how composed we are at the back because they are really building some great chemistry there. And I, I'm just, I'm loving what I'm seeing, man, at, in, in that back line. I really, really am. 
Yeah, and it, even even in front of them, you see Michael Bradley looks. Oh God, by the way, Michael Bradley had an incredible game. Incredible game. He, um, he's yeah, incredible. So many mopped up so many situations. He just won the ball in perfect spot. And, he's always in the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm. And his ability, like his willingness to trust the younger players in in difficult situations, like he's putting them in places to to succeed um, because he is treating them like. Like they are footballers as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, he makes them feel more comfortable on the pitch where they have to just go out and do their job and play the game. I thought he was really good at doing that. Um, and then, you know, Brandon Sabrina, we just touched on him, how good of a job he did winning the ball back. Uh, team, The team defense overall is just so much better so than it much was better. last season. Over their last mm-hmm. four games, they've only conceded two goals. And of course, yeah, back-to-back clean sheets is really nice. But you can tell like the overall, they're not giving up as many big chances as they mm-hmm. were. A season ago which is the biggest like takeaway that you know there were times where san jose could have scored and even though let's say san jose did score they concede one they concede two overall you still kind of feel good about the way that tfc defended that game because of the amount of clear-cut chances they they broke down i thought once mm-hmm. again cigarros that had a really really good game unbelievable um, making me so as well yeah making me eat my words in my preseason he's prediction. so he's he's so great i'm i'm telling you um uh uh now i lost my train of thought uh <laughs> <laughs> all good all good like i yeah i think i think the the main takeaway here and and obviously raul Petretta is a part of that and hopefully he's not going to be out for any uh significant length of time he did have to come off at halftime i thought kobe franklin mm-hmm. stepped in and did a great job again nothing spectacular um but i thought was pretty solid again he got cut out a few times he is playing against christian espinoza one of the better yeah. winners in mls um, but mm-hmm. I, I thought for the most part, he came in and put in a solid sort of 45 minutes when probably not expected to. I'll, I'll feel better about that position when Christian Gutierrez is good to go. Fair like he enough. had a non-COVID illness that he missed the game with. Um, but having him as your backup left back is not a bad option at all. I think Kobe still, there's a lot of growing defensively. But yeah, he he put in a his best shift by hands down so far in a TFC shirt. Yeah. Is this a personal preference, Mike Singh? Is that because Kobe strikes me as, as, and maybe this is just because he's so green, but he strikes me as much more of a traditional fullback, you know, like a a kind of stay at home fullback. Do you prefer, I mean, I know I prefer the modern attacking fullback. I like, I like my outside backs to be two way players in in the modern game. So I'm just wondering is, is your, is your Kobe Franklin, uh, 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 your reluctance to sort of give him the keys to the car because he's such a stay at home, defensive minded guy. And you don't necessarily think that works. No, I actually, or he's just got along. Yeah. I think, it's Oh, you do. He's, he's too attack minded. I think he's a bit too attack minded, not in the sense mm. that he's too attack minded, but he is really good going forward with the ball. Um, especially when he has players around him that he can connect with, but he struggles defensively at times, mm. um, which is well, why I can't have he, that. He, yeah. Which is why I thought he put in a really good performance against San Jose because there were times where, you know, he could have been exposed and he did a good job to either get a foot in or time his tackle. And, you know, he took risks, but those risks paid off for him, I thought, in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I have nothing against Kobe. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I just think right now there are probably better options on the pitch uh, for a team that wants to compete and wants to win. Yeah, I can remember he's 19 too, right? Like he's, yeah. he's still young and still making his way in the game. Um, so from that perspective, anything you can get that's positive from him in terms of minutes, I think is just a bonus, right, for the club, especially when you're got Christian Gutierrez as a backup left back hmm. and, uh, and you're only paying a fraction of his cap hit. 
Um, so I think that's a, that's yeah. a win. Tidy Christy. little business. Uh, exactly. Uh, so let's do a little quick eye ahead to Charlotte this weekend. I watched mm-hmm. Charlotte's game against the Red Bulls or most of it until uh, the national team game started. This is a beatable team. Like I, I, I don't, I don't want to go into games and say like, ah, well, this should be three points. And I'm not necessarily saying that, but this is mm-hmm. a team Toronto FC can get three points at at home, right? Like this is, uh, you know, this is a team that does like to possess the ball a lot. But I, I, I right now they're, I feel like they are struggling to really create chances for the big number nine signing Enzo Capetti, who they they signed from Argentina. Um, this season and and it kind of showed I mean the Red Bulls are kind of a hard game to scout on because the Red Bulls are just energy drink kind of Red Bull, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah so mm-hmm. it, it's hard to to scout but th- that said I, I you know I think this is a team that can be broken down at the back as long as you're clean defensively and and can sort of you know keep some possession of the ball and be able to to move the ball quickly against this team if you can I think goals are there and I think you can win this game yeah, I don't think their record does them justice. Um, I do agree with you, Mike. It is a winnable game, especially at home. And if you remember the last time that TFC Charlotte. played Charlotte at home, we we all know how that that game was. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> Michael Bradley, Michael Bradley chips, yeah. Michael Bradley chips, mm. man. Michael Bradley yeah, chips and dip. Uh, this team's chaos. There, but... They're a mess. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was going to say when when you go go through Charlotte's results. So one nil to New England, who right now is the best team in the Eastern Conference. They're top of the East. Then three one to St. Louis, right now undefeated team in MLS, which is so <laughs> insane through five match days. Three yeah. nil uh, defeat to Atlanta United, which again a really tough opponent. And mm-hmm. then a two one victory over Orlando City, and then a one one draw with Red Bull. So not an easy schedule whatsoever for Charlotte right out of the gate. And sure, they might have had their uplift from their expansion season a year ago, but I thought towards the end of the last year they started to really make some strides, and and they're hoping to build off sort of that momentum. So you know, I guess overall, what I'm trying to say is it's not going to be an easy game it shouldn't be an easy game but i still feel confident about this tfc team heading into bemo field at home against against charlotte who i would say maybe the seventh eighth best team in in the eastern conference i don't know what to make of this team like you said last last year their their inaugural season i i liked the footy they were playing um but this year they're all over the place they're a mess they don't know where to put their their starting 11 they're tinkering with systems that worked well to fit in new signings. Nothing is clicking. I mean, you know, sometimes it feels like TFC. Sometimes it feels to me like TFC doesn't remember their assignments and they're fighting muscle memory and 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 what they want to do versus what they're trying to remember they have to do with trigger points and stuff like that. You watch a Charlotte game right now and you can actually see the gears turning in most of their players. They do not know what to do out there. Now, I don't know if that's going to correct itself by this weekend. I hope it doesn't, obviously, because I'm, I'm rooting for the other team. But yeah, I mean, that is a team that didn't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, you know, it feels like the, it feels for all the world like 2018 TFC, where we were like, yeah, Stephen Betashore, who needs him? He's not important. Let's, you know, let's sign Virgil van Dyke. Uh, sorry, not Virgil van Dyke. Let's sign Gregory <laughs> Vanderweel and give him, yeah. give him the number nine. Like, Charlotte feels like that kind of mistake happened. They got too big for their britches. They signed players that have no chemistry with each other and they, and they filled in roster spots that complicated 
the way that they were lining up in the formations that were giving them a lot of joy last year. And now they're just floundering. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because they signed Joviak and they signed Swiderski. And I, and I don't feel like either have really panned out, uh, you know, and you do have to, I mean, Swiderski probably more than Joviak for sure, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but I think, you know, neither quite pan out the way they had hoped uh, and, and now with Capetti, it will be interesting to see how their season goes along. But I mean, with TFC getting their internationals back, you know, and, and, and they seem to play a lot more positive, a lot more better at home. Um, I, I just I just feel like this should be a, a, a game where TFC can get a result and a positive result out of it. We'll see, obviously, um, after tomorrow how how the uh, internationals uh, for tfc fare um but yep. uh you know for, from that perspective i you know i'm not going to go out and say this is this is a slam dunk three points by no means but this is definitely a winnable game um for toronto without FC. question without question yeah so Agreed. speaking of internationals uh we'll, we'll sort of segue into uh the canadian men's national team talk uh saturday was not just tfc uh with a unentertaining nil nil draw in san jose uh the men's <laughs> national team were in curacao <laughs> um playing a playing a team that at one point we were really worried about um but not anymore the kings of Concacaf showed no sort of world cup hangover uh as it is they won two nil um at curacao and looked pretty comfortable doing it i know the sending off uh, near halftime kind of kind of killed the game a little bit but um y- even throughout the the game I don't think there was any sort of worry that TFC were going to come away with the result though I will say the Canadian the men's first, national team yeah the Canadian yes, men's national yeah. team but I, I don't think you know the first 20 25 minutes um little a little rough a little choppy um but I mean first time in four months um that this team has played uh together get a 2-0 win that's exactly what you needed all I want to talk about is Herdman uh, in that rondelle at the at the training today. What what I didn't know he had it in him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, good game, really good game. Uh, Laren's in the form of his life. It's it's wonderful to watch. Um, he's so confident. He's he's so silky. Uh, I I love watching. I love watching any footballer when they're feeling their their skills the way that Kyle Laren is right now. It, it really is lovely, lovely to watch. And, and that, that was my big takeaway. And also, Richie's incredible. He's just an incredible yeah, player. What a he great really, ball. really is. What a great he's, such a, he's, such a, he's such a great player. Uh, and he shines in, in Herdman's system. He shines in, in Bradley's system. He transcends uh, his assignments. Like, to, you know, like, his personality is just all over the pitch. The man, the man is a, he's a baller. Yeah, it's, it, it's, this camp came at an interesting time. I thought both Larea and uh, Jonathan Osorio just started to elevate their game. And I, I really do find that when they they go away for national team camps and then come back, they, they come back with this this confidence and swagger about them. And I think especially the tr- it's true for, for Jonathan Osorio. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's like an energy boost uh, for these guys. So I, I, I like the fact that both of those guys are getting big minutes under John Herman here. Uh, in this camp, and yeah, both of them I thought looked really good. There was one play where where Jonathan Osorio like dragged the ball like a little quick, you know, sidestep. Some really good footwork he showed at the top of the box. I thought that was a very slick play that we haven't really mm-hmm. seen too much of from Jonathan Osorio this year. Um, but as a whole, 
yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest game at all from Canada. Um, like you said, Mike, it's four months after the World Cup, so it was a long break in between. It was you know tough conditions in Curacao. I thought once Jonathan David scored and, and yeah. the Curacao player got a red card, I thought Canada took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit and they kind of just cruised it home, which is fine. You know, it's, it's not a World Cup year. It's not like they have to be ramping up their, their yeah, play overall yeah. in some sort of with some sort of purpose. Um, so I thought they the fact that they just got through the game, they got the clean sheet, they got the result that they wanted. Um, that's fine, but it does set up a really interesting matchup against Honduras tomorrow at BMO Field, which, I mean, it should be a really good one. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder for you guys, just in terms of the lineup, I think it was pretty much the lineup we mostly would have expected. Maybe some people thought Atiba would have started, but I think the the passing of the mantle is now on to, we're in the Ishmael Kone era. Um, yeah, yeah. But but in terms of any surprises, like were you surprised that you know maybe a, a, a Dom Zator or maybe a Victor Latoury didn't necessarily get into that game once it was kind of two nil and done and dusted and it clear Curacao wasn't really going to you know pose any kind of real challenge to the team. Were you surprised that those guys maybe didn't see the pitch maybe ahead of giving them a a, a run out before Honduras uh, tomorrow? I think Latori in particular, because he does have mm-hmm. the ability um, to, you know, go play for another nation. So I thought it was weird to see in an opportunity to cap time. I thought it was strange yep. maybe that we didn't get him on the pitch just to cap time. But yeah, you know, we've we've known John Herman for a while. Like he comes in with such a such a playbook, such a a game plan, um, and his game plan was clearly to get Atiba Hutchinson minutes in some capacity and maybe this will be his last international window for the Canadian men's national team. We'll see, but it was clearly with purpose that Atiba Hutchinson was Atiba Hutchinson was going to come out and get some minutes. And maybe that was to get him minutes because he hasn't been playing a lot with, with Bashik. Yeah. Maybe that was to get him minutes to, to prepare him for the match against Honduras. So yeah, I, I'm not overly surprised. I thought after the game played out, it was like I said, the game was over by halftime. It, it, I wasn't, I wasn't zeroing in on on the substitution decisions, to be completely honest. Yeah, it didn't like like Mike said, they took their foot off the gas, and and you know I I've heard the arguments where where you know it's you should never take your foot off the gas. Every 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 game is an, is another excuse to to keep you know bettering yourself and stuff like that. And and that would be my only concern. I hope it doesn't become habitual that that instead of you know that Canada's game plan becomes you know potting a bunch of goals and then just sort of seeing out the game in, in, in some way, shape or form. Uh, yeah. But to answer your question, I didn't think it was weird because we could have cap tied Latore and, and it, it, it seems strange to me that if you're going to go that route and kind of just sort of play the game for the minutes, why not give some minutes to some, to some other guys on the team that could, that could use those minutes, especially Latore, but it's a minor complaint. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, uh, uh, to me, I th- I feel like I've seen enough of Charles Andreas Brim to know that this isn't like your third option striker. Um, <laughs> but w- whatever. I mean, they they clearly see. I mean, he's playing well um, in the Netherlands, so I can't. You know, who, who am I to, yeah. to necessarily complain? But you know, it, one of those moments, I'm like, really, we got to see Brim again? Like this? Don't we know what we have in Charles Andreas Brim at this point? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, Maybe we I, don't. 
I guess we don't. Um, but that this transitions over to uh, the match at BMO Field against Honduras. Mike, I, I believe you were down at BMO Field today for the the pressers. Does any sort of notes um, from from John Herdman from the players uh, just ahead of the match? Uh I think one thing that stood out, if you guys remember the last time that Canada played Honduras, uh, in Honduras, <laughs> John Herman said the one thing he remembers about that game is that it was a pool and they're mm-hmm. playing in, in so much water. And obviously that match as well got really heated and that was with some of the red cards and some of the suspensions that obviously carried over to, to this past game against Curacao, including John Herman, who received a red card and all of it. Um he expects it to be hot is what he said. Another hot, hot affair between the two sides who are both going to be very hungry to, to play tomorrow night because there is a lot at stake, right? You want to mm-hmm. be one of the teams that get gets the bye to the Nations League finals. And that's where Canada, especially after coming off a year that was so successful, that saw them make their first trip to the World Cup, they want to, to prove that they're once again as John Herman said, this is their mantra really of 2023 is they want to be the Kings of CONCACAF. Once again, they want to be known as that. So you, they don't want to take that step backwards that, you know, some people are foreshadowing. They might, yeah. they want to keep, they want to keep pushing forward. And that to me was sort of my biggest takeaway when, when you want to talk about this team's mentality heading into a match against Honduras, which like I said, it, it is a big match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want to get to the finals. The U.S. are already there. Um, Mexico have not qualified for the finals, even though Jamaica almost gave them a run. Um, but that was a good game. An absolute screamer. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, you want to be in that pool. Obviously, one they've already conquered. They qualified for Gold Cup by by beating by being curacao uh they qualify for the gold cup we're in so that's fine now it's like next sort of step in this evolution of this team that is now moving from we're happy to be there we just want to qualify to you know this we're now trying to be a power within concacaf and be a consistent power within concacaf the nation's league is important and and from that perspective it's 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 good to get these important games in uh where you're not you know i i've heard and i've seen sort of stuff around you know try to find european competition play you know quote unquote higher level competition to get themselves going but the nation's league is important and you want to play games in your region that are going to matter um, and, and I think with this Honduras game, especially because Honduras that is starting to sort of change the team around, has a new manager, um, is playing a lot better than the team that we played in qualifying. Um, that's going to be an important match at BMO tomorrow. I'm so sad I can't actually go now. <laughs> but yeah, you got some money for your ticket. Up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I think it's really important that Jonathan David got on the score sheet and got an assist in, in that match. Um, considering, you know, the the disappointment, uh, I, I think it's fair to say the disappointment of his uh, appearances at the World Cup. I think it's very important that he's back on the right side of scoring. Um, and it speaks really, really well towards our uh, 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 desire to be the kings of CONCACAF again. I don't think we, we, we've lost that title, um, but I'm a homer and we probably have. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, look, I think right now, you know, just looking past the World Cup and past qualifying right now, you would say that the United States have, have kind of started to take that mantle a little bit. Mexico mm-hmm. look 
shaky. Like, let, let's just be real. Mexico looked yeah. shaky. I mean, I watched they most do. of that game against Jamaica last night. Um, and it, it, look, Mexico could have lost that game. You know, in the end, they sort of poured it on at the end to try to get the winning goal. Uh, they didn't get it. Um, and, and and there's a lot of pressure on that team. This is a team that's aging. And is, <laughs> Rob's losing his mind in the comments, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like you know, he's just you know they're they're a team that's aging and and have a lot of pressure on them, and and they haven't quite brought in their younger generation of players into the national that's team yet. Right there. So from that perspective, you know, this is an opportunity for Canada to really stamp its place as as the as a as a real power in CONCACAF. So although people sort of I've seen people try to turn their nose up to the game, there is concerns around attendance uh, tomorrow, um, given sort of some of the prices some people have talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not a meaningless game. It is very nope. much a, a game that's going to mean something. And if T, sorry, if Canada can get themselves uh, to to a Nations League final, like that, that's again, that's another feather in the cap, and and that just is going to progress this team that's still very young and still learning how to win, um, and still learning how to win in CONCACAF in a lot of ways, even though, yes, they finished top of qualifying for World Cup um, the last time around. You know, this is a team that's still learning how to win bigger things. And obviously the next step after this uh, friendly will be, you know, all eyes on on the Nation League's final and the Gold Cup, that which will be right after that, right? So, yep. And those are two trophies that they're going to be competing with. And if you remember, you know, we, I know we finished top of World Cup qualifying, but Canada doesn't have a trophy since yeah. the Gold Cup in 2000. Yeah. Right. It's it's been a long time. So Stefan Estacchio today was asked about that. And he he essentially said, if we don't have trophies, then then what is it that we're playing for? I love so that they want to go out. So like it's not just making the finals and the finals is it's it's a it's a semifinals, really, by the yeah. way. That's yeah. just what the way the way Nations League is. So it's not just making that next step. It's the next step that's after that and the next step that's after that. They want to walk away from this tournament with some silverware to show for it and that'll be that'll be a good uh, accomplishment but yeah you mentioned mexico we we're talking about them a lot during the world cup they're an aging squad and yeah. you know they're not the same mexico so canada does have a pathway here to, to move forward and potentially you know get some silverware which would be nice uh nice addition to their trophy cabinet because like i said they just haven't had one in so long so it has to be a priority and you know it, it's funny, um, just not to stay on this too longer. I know we're, we're going to move Rob's on. Rob's going to explode. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, the Nations League final between the U.S. and, and Mexico—that was a the thrilling sort of game. That 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 even that finals the last time around was it was a thrilling sort of end. And it, it's atmosphere it's, too. And yeah, atmosphere it was great. Was great. And obviously, U.S. Mexico game in like in I think it was in Texas. Houston, last, I think in Houston. Yeah. yeah. Um, the final was in Houston or is in Dallas. Um, you know, obviously that's going to bring out a lot of, uh, a lot of passion, but you know, if Canada can make a final there and, and I don't know where the, the final will be held this time around, probably somewhere in the States. Um, you know, yeah, the, absolutely. That, the, the, you know, that's, that's in Las good, Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. Right. Like that's a good, Hey, Canadian men's national team fans. Like what a great way to go to Vegas, right. To fly oh. to Vegas cheap. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hear they have cottage pie there. We'll do a cottage pie yeah, tour of Vegas. Yeah. Cottage pie on the <laughs> um, all right, moving on, guys. Uh, just to mm. wrap up the show this week, uh, we did ask a burning question. Uh, we're going to hop back into some TFC talk here. Um, and part of that burning question 
was to ask uh, the TFC Live community and the Toronto Till I Die community, how would you rate the 2023 debuts of Alonzo Coelho and Jaquiel Marshall Reddy? Some great answers here. A lot of them positive. So we're continuing the positive vibes from last week. Now the vibes were were strong. Uh, Matt just coming in saying, after seeing their performance and others, my thought is TFC, TFC have depth everywhere on the pitch, and that's so exciting. That was not the commentary we had about a month ago. Um, so I that's know. very interesting. You know, obviously he still feels they're missing a DP number nine, but other than that, the team is really shaping up. Thoughts on biggest gaps, uh, pace in mid, maybe a left winger. Lorenzo Insigne. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't Back know. Up, at least. I guess back yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't but have I mean, anyone behind him. But that, that's MLS, man. I mean, there we there's no way we can sign anybody even a tenth as good as Lorenzo Insigne on a salary cap league to deputize for him. You know but I, I guess the, here's the question maybe to, to sort of summarize is now that we've seen some of that depth in action and it look decent, again, it was San Jose and it was one game. But, um, you know, are we still feeling that there are still gaps in the depth or places, especially in like, say, the midfield or of course. Uh, on the wings that we still need to strengthen? Yeah, like I, I agree with whoever the commenter was. I, th- I think we need to bring in. A, I don't know if you know if you bring to bring it in, but it is a point of issue is back of left wing. And obviously, you might have depth at striker, but you there's no quality yeah. at striker. We, we've got a lot of pylons, you know, not, <laughs> not a lot of actual functioning footballers. And, and so there, yeah. there's depth. Like I would, I love DeAndre Kerr as an option off the bench. He's versatile. He can play multiple positions, including striker. I'm again not sure what Iowa Canola really is. Um, mm-hmm. He's not done as much to strengthen his case. Now, granted, I know he was injured so i guess we'll see him play out a, a bunch of games but again i don't know what his future is with this team I, I i really think this team wants to improve that position um it's just really tough as jeff you alluded to it it's a salary cap league and yeah reality and is right, right now there. tfc yeah. don't have salary cap space and yeah. so in order for, for the club to make a move there would have to be corresponding moves as well and do yeah. they really have anyone of value i guess is the biggest question mark where they can actually subtract from the roster it's a it's a tough position um for the club to currently be in in terms of improving that that position but that's that's probably obviously i think everybody's on the same page there when it comes to their concerns um backup center back you you feel a lot better about with shane o'neill and lucas mcnaughton at times those guys were starters for tfc last year i'm so happy about that yeah yeah, exactly. For sure. And I mentioned Christian Gutierrez too. I thought that addition again, <laughs> once again, is really, really good addition. So you feel a lot better about the midfield depth after the trade for Brandon Cervania, right? That I think that really calmed a lot of people's nerves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh Lucas Luca Cardi just saying six out of five for Coelho and eight out of ten for JMR. Coelho played well and didn't make many mistakes, but also didn't stand out. I'm not sure, so sure about that because we just spent most of a segment talking about him. Um, yeah, yeah, and then JMR was great all around, but I'd like to see him attack more. Um, I'm assuming, and, and this is something that got brought up on the Tunnel Club yesterday, was sort of the difference between Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy at, at right back and um, Richie Larea at right back and the types of runs that they'll make. You didn't really see JMR make a ton of overlapping runs 
um, with Bernadeschi there tending to maybe play more to feed and connect with the midfield. Whereas of course, Richie's going to be making those runs. Um, and, and that's just a difference in, in style, yeah, a difference it. of comfort as well um, yeah. for a player. Um, and probably JMR is maybe thinking a little bit more about, okay, I got to be a little more conscious about being defensive in, in my role here. Um, whereas, of course, Richie is Richie and is going yeah. to make I think those that's, runs. That's an, yeah, it's an unfair. I mean, there are a lot of people that there are a lot of uh, right backs on a lot of teams that people would love to say be more like Richie. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, take what you can often, but I don't, I don't think they're the same kind of player. And I also, I agree with you. I think JMR, you know, he's training himself to think defense first because that's an area that he needs to improve on. So he's not going to be as free with the ball as, as, as Richie is in, in, in those quick snap decisions. And I think that's, that's understandable, but the hope is, is that he may be better than Richie in different ways, you know, eventually. I, this might be crazy to say, I think he's a smart, much smarter player hmm. on the ball than Richie Larea is. I don't think that's a too controversial. No, no, no. I, 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 mean, I, not too much. I mean, no, I, no, I, 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 listen, people, a lot of people say Richie Larea is like the best right back in the league. I, I actually think Jaquil is like the way that he sees the game and he reads the game. It's, it's like he's playing from a bird's eye view. If you know what huh. I mean? Like he, yeah. he sees, he sees the pitch and he reads the game and, in such a such a smart way that you don't typically see in, in MLS, and especially from a player of his age, that's by far Jaquil's strongest asset, in my opinion. It's the way mm. that he thinks the game. Now, when you relate him to Richie Larea, Richie Larea, it's he's so much more athletic than just most other players when it comes to not just speed but also strength and just yeah. the tenacity and the X factor when it comes to to just the fight that he has in him so yeah very very yeah exactly comparing yeah. jmr at 18 to richie at 828 is silly yeah, that came up, but at the yeah. same time they're also yeah they're, they're very different players too and yeah and i, I don't think you're yeah. saying that like jmr jmr is necessarily a smarter footballer than richie larea right like i think what you're saying is just that the way they see the game is a lot different um, and the way that they connect with their teammates are going to be a lot different, especially because Richie, like we know Richie can dance on a ball but, uh, mm. as good as anybody on this team, right? And and that is such a strength of his because he can get by just about anyone um, in MLS. Uh, and that makes him such a dangerous and much more of a direct threat. Whereas yeah. JMR, like you said, is going to connect a little bit more, is going to play um, different types of passes. Into yeah, his exactly. Teammates. Yeah. That's why that's yeah. why people like teams in Europe really like him because in Europe you don't see as much what Richie Larea does stand out. Yeah. Like you don't see the one v one breakdowns that you see in Major League Soccer, where Jaquil the way that he gets the best out of his game is by bringing his teammates into the game and and making the players around him more involved and maybe even in a sense even better. So uh, that's why again, like I think on the ball, just a smarter player. Um, when it comes to just soccer IQ, when it comes to being in possession, obviously Richie is miles ahead of JMR defensively. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll read one more comment here. Uh, this comes from uh, Jameson. JMR, 8 out of 10. It was great to see him play again. Needs a bit more confidence in the final third, but he was excellent. And Coelho was a 7 out of 10. Really nice surprise. Felt like he belonged. Calm on the ball. Great first touch. There were there was a nice balance between himself, Cervania, and Bradley in the midfield. Yep. Um, and, I, and I agree. Right. Like, I don't think you're going to look. He's going to play for TFC two most of the season. I think he might be playing like right now because TFC two. He's, are... he's not playing. Oh, he's not playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, um, you know, from that perspective, he's going to be playing for TFC two most of the season unless he signs. He's going to be the captain. Yeah. Which I don't Amazing. think is coming. Um, but I agree. I thought there was great balance there. Um, again, I don't think you're, he's, he, you know, he's not replacing Cervania in the lineup and he's definitely not replacing Mark Anthony K. But for one game, I thought he looked good. And, you know, down the road, maybe he does become another depth piece um, for this team. But I think right good thing now, to have in the toolkit, serve, man. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. best served at TFC2 right now until they can find a real spot for him. I, I don't yeah. know if you guys remember, but in the offseason, I called him, right? I, yeah, I, you did. I shouted him out as a potential. Oh, really? Like, hey, maybe, maybe TFC yeah, yeah. do does have that option as nice. a depth piece, and it could be Alonzo Coelho. Um, but the reason why I really liked him and what why I think it works so well is, as we talked about at the top of the show, the team's ball movement on the night. It was very simple for him, and like what he was being asked to do was very straightforward and very simple. But he did a good job of doing it. And I know it. It sounds like it's a it's a given that you should be able to do that, but that's not always the case at a central yeah. midfield in Major League Soccer. Um, he made the right decisions. He made quick decisions. He was able to play the ball first time when he was when he was asked to. Um, the way that he shaped his body, such an underrated aspect when it comes to receiving a football in the middle of the park. All those mm-hmm. parts of his game is it's you know it, it, that was there before, and I'll, it's it's crazy to say, but it's actually almost easier for him to play at this level than it is to play at TFC2 because mm. you're playing with guys who know what positions to be in to receive passes. Ah. So when you're a smart player like Alonzo, it's easier for him to read where a player is going to be or where the ball should go because the guys are already set up in that position. Whereas TFC2, it's it's almost a little bit more chaotic. When you think mm. about hockey, for example, hockey's a lot more structured at the NHL level as opposed to the AHL level. So like a goalie in hockey, it's actually people say it's easier to be a goalie in the NHL than it is to be a goalie in the AHL because your defense is much better in the NHL than it yeah, is yeah. in the AHL. And it's really, it's more unpredictable. It's almost the same thing for a central midfield and a player like Alonzo. So yeah, I thought he, he did what he was asked of him. I thought it was a really impressive performance overall. And yeah, it, it's a good option to have. Um, he is an international and I mm. think he just got his homegrown status which is why he was called up this year as opposed to last year. I don't think he was eligible to be called up last year because he wasn't technically uh, a homegrown from MLS Next, and I think you need to be a homegrown to be recalled. So I think he just got that status where they changed the rules around. So Amazing. important to note and, and want to keep their eyes. Maybe maybe he's a guy, a solution for the future because he's only 23 years old and has came up through Atletico Madrid's academy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I like him a lot. 
I like him yeah. a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. Um, so he's definitely one to keep an eye out for uh, for the future and maybe even the near future. Um, okay, we'll wrap it up, uh, boys. Again, thank you so much, everybody, to listening for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. We will be back next Monday evening recapping Toronto FC's home match against Charlotte. Uh, big favor to ask for all the listeners of the podcast. So if you're listening to this on podcast version, ears up uh please do us a solid leave us a review on apple podcasts um and a five star on spotify if you are listening on that platform it some just people helps. got the memo there's a lot some of people reviews get, out there yeah, yeah some people yeah. did get the memo so thank you for those who have left reviews and five stars we really appreciate it it's helping more people find the show which is awesome uh lastly tunnel club uh with myself oh, and club. sean levy uh we'll be back next sunday uh with reactions to the the home game against charlotte because again it, we will be in no state to be doing a show right after uh, on Saturday. Um, but so check us out uh, at TFC Tunnel Club for the show times and links. Uh, for Michael Singh, for Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. We'll see you all next week, guys. Cheers. Peace. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.